This book, the Bible, is an amazing one. The prophecies in it are stunning. And today's is one of the very best. It is a prophecy that takes us 2,600 years into the past, right through into the future beyond our day. Follow along with us in this Bible study. Get blessed and learn to love the Bible as a book that you can rely on. God bless you. Good morning and welcome to this Bible study as we look at one of the most thrilling passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. And this morning I want to take you to such a prophecy. It's a story, a prophecy about an ancient king and the dream this ancient king had. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. He was a great Babylonian king who came to the throne of Babylon somewhere around 605 BC. That's 605 years before Jesus, or if you like, around about 2,600 years from the time we now live in. And this great king, and he was a great warrior king, came to the throne of Babylon and he took her to heights of power that perhaps no nation before Babylon had ever experienced. Now this king has a dream, and this dream is interesting. And nobody could tell the king what the dream meant. And so I think without going any further, I'd like to take you to your Bibles and I'd like to invite you to open them to Daniel chapter 2 because that's where we find this prophecy. Daniel chapter 2 verse 1. The Bible says this is the story of the dream of the ancient king Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 2 verse 1, it says in the second year of his reign, so he's a new king, the king of ancient Babylon. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and the astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. The king has a dream, he wakes up, he can't remember what he saw and so he calls in all the heathen, pagan priests, priestesses of the kingdom. These are the ones who had contact with the supernatural world. They were real. They certainly were talking to demons. They weren't followers of the high God. But, but, but Nebuchadnezzar worshipped their gods and so it was natural for him to call them in to get advice. He says, I've had a dream, I can't remember the dream. You tell me what the dream was and then you tell me what it means. Now you can imagine the horror of these pagan priests and priestesses as Nebuchadnezzar, the great king, whose word is life or death, asked them to tell him what this dream means. We go to Daniel chapter 2 verse 4 to see the response of these pagan priests and priestesses. Verse 4 of Daniel 2 the Bible says, And the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. They're really putting it on here. Tell your servants a dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. This is a king who with a word could have had any one of them and their families and all their relatives if he wanted to put to death. They say, O king, live forever. Tell your servants a dream. You tell us a dream. Make no mistake, king will tell you what it means. But Nebuchadnezzar says, this is what I have decided firmly. When a king says, I've decided something firmly, you better listen. He said, if you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you 
cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me what the dream means and you explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. There's no fooling around with this king. He says, tell me what I dreamt and tell me what it means and if you can't, I will have you cut into pieces, I will bulldoze your houses into rubble and I will wipe your family off the face of the earth. But if you can tell me what the dream means, oh, I will reward you greatly. Let's get down to verse 10 because you can see now that the astrologers, the sorcerers, the heathen pagan priests and priestesses, they're they're starting to dialogue with the king and he's getting more and more upset with them as he sees that they, for all the world, they cannot tell him what this dream means. Verse 10, the astrologers answer the king, there is not a man on earth, this is very important, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks, verse 11, is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods and they do not live among men. The king, verse 12, is so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon so the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Who is this man Daniel that suddenly comes into the story? Daniel is a young man who was taken captive in Jerusalem somewhere around the same time Nebuchadnezzar became king of Babylon. You see, what had happened is the Israelites, who were under a good king, he was named Josiah, had been told by a prophet in Israel, in Jerusalem, his name was Jeremiah, very famous prophet in the Bible. In fact, if you open your Bible in the Old Testament, you'll find that he wrote one of the biggest books in the entire Bible. This prophet, Jeremiah, told very clearly, Josiah, do not go and ally yourself against Babylon with Egypt. You see, at the time there were two great powers, Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar and Egypt under the Pharaoh. And we don't understand why, because Josiah was a good king. But he went and allied himself with the Egyptians. And of course, in the Battle of Carchemish, 605 BC, where Nebuchadnezzar crushed the Egyptians, Israel was a part of that alliance. And not long after that, Nebuchadnezzar marched his armies to Jerusalem. They surrounded that city. They broke through the walls after a siege. And Daniel, who was one of the princes of Israel, who lived in Jerusalem, was taken as a slave to Babylon. It's a good story. We don't have time for it in this sermon. But Daniel rises up from a slave in the ranks to become one of these wise men. But what makes Daniel different is that Daniel followed the high king of heaven. Daniel followed God. He was his servant. He did not bow down to the heathen pagan gods of Babylon. He did not serve Marduk or Bel. He did not bow to Baal. His eyes were fixed steadfastly on God and it was God whom he served. And Daniel is one of these wise men. He had, it seems, not been in the room when the king had the dream. 
And the soldiers, though, because he's counted as one of these wise men, come to Daniel to execute him. Read the story in Daniel 2. Daniel says, you can't execute me. I haven't had a chance to go and ask my God. Now, the captain of the guard, the captain of Nebuchadnezzar's guard, was a man called Arioch. And Arioch said, well, look, I, he, I don't know what it was about Daniel. He must have been attracted to him uh, as, as a fine, upstanding young man. He said, well, I'll give you a little bit of time, but you better not fool around with this because there's not much time and you'll have to come before the king and tell him what the dream means or you too will be executed. So Daniel has free three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. They get down on their knees in their room. And they begin to pray and they say, God, this king, this heathen, this pagan king has had a dream. Nobody, including the king, knows what the dream is. Could you please tell us, Lord, what he dreamt and please, God, tell us what it means. You are the true God. You are the only one who can unlock what this king has seen in his dream. And Daniel and his friends get up off their knees after that time of prayer. And if you're in trouble, there's no better place to be than talking to God. These young men were in trouble. Their lives were at risk. And they went to God. And that is where we all need to go when we're in trouble. To God. And God gave Daniel the answer. And God will give you the answer when you're in trouble. And so Daniel goes to Arioch and he says, I've found the answer. Take me before the king. And Arioch, his chest puffed out. He recognised something in Daniel. And if you follow God, make no mistake, people will recognise. People who don't know God will recognise that you are a follower of the high king. And I tell you, as a pastor, I'm proud to say, with all my faults and failings, I am a follower of God. I follow the same God Daniel did. I follow the same God that knows the past, who knows the present, and praise God, he knows the future. And Daniel is taken before the king, Daniel 2 verse 27, and listen what he says. He does not take the credit himself for knowing what the king dreamed. Verse 27, Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. Oh, I like this verse here, verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and your vision that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. Daniel said, I know what you dreamed. I know what it means and now I am going to tell you but make no mistake the only reason I know King Nebuchadnezzar is because the true God of heaven the only God who lives told me what you dreamed and what it means Daniel gave all the credit to God and let me tell you when you're in trouble when you go to God and he fixes things up, he answers your questions, he smooths the way, he flattens the mountains, he fixes your life so that you have peace in your heart, always recognise that it was God that did it. Don't take the credit for yourself for what God did in your life. And so he unpacks the dream for the king. Verse 29 of Daniel 2. As you are lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer, that's God, of mysteries, showed you what is going to happen. 
As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than any other living man, but so that you, O King, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what has gone through your mind. And then Daniel says, this is what you saw. You looked, O King, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. Can you imagine Nebuchadnezzar as he leans forward in his, uh, sitting on his throne saying, Yes, yes, that is what I saw. The head of statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. And while you are watching, a rock was cut out but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the earth. This was a dream and now I will interpret it to you O king, this was an incredible dream. God had given it to Nebuchadnezzar. In this dream he saw a statue. Its head was of gold. Its chest was of silver. Its thighs were of bronze. Its legs were of iron. And its feet were of iron and clay. And a rock that was not cut out by human hands came from the sky and hit the statue on its feet. And the sat statue just exploded and the wind blew it all away. Well, what does the dream mean? Look what Daniel says. Verse 37. He says, now I'll tell you what the dream means. You, O king, are king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. Daniel says you saw a vision. The statue had a head of gold. That head of gold represents you, Nebuchadnezzar. And I can imagine Nebuchadnezzar's chest must have gone out. He must have thought, yeah, I like that. I'm at the very head, I'm at the very top. We find as we look at history that indeed Babylon was the ruling world empire of the time that Daniel had this dream. And the Babylonian Empire went from 605 BC to 538 BC, less than 100 years. But it was a mighty empire, a golden empire. Babylon was one of the great, great cities the world has ever seen. And Nebuchadnezzar was one of the greatest kings in history. And God said, I know the past, I know the future. He said, this, 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 this statue, this image is nothing more than a timeline of what is going to happen in history. He said, you Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon are the head of gold. You are the first great world empire. And history attests to the fact of what Daniel 2 says. But it doesn't stop there because verse 39, and I imagine Nebuchadnezzar's crest may have become a little crestfallen at this. After you another kingdom will rise, inferior to yours. We know that after Babylon came Medo-Persia, good King Cyrus, and all of history. If I'd had to live under and serve a king, I would have liked to have served good King Cyrus. He was a great Medo-Persian king. Now Babylon was in modern day Iraq. 
Medo-Persia was up in Iran and Cyrus with his armies, and this was after Nebuchadnezzar had died. Daniel was by this time a very old man. We're talking 539 BC. Daniel would have been hitting, heading somewhere toward 100 years of age. Cyrus sweeps down with his armies, overruns the Babylonian Empire, takes the city of Babylon. He's the next the Medo-Persian Cyrus of the great next world empire. And they go from 539 BC to 332. The Bible doesn't stop there with this dream. You remember there's a head of gold. The chest of silver now is Medo-Persia, but it doesn't stop. The Bible says in verse 39, Next, after Medo-Persia, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. That, and we know that third kingdom, if we look at history, was Greece. Alexander the Great, I think, arguably the greatest general the world has ever, ever seen. Undefeated in battle. Everywhere he went, he was victorious. And the plains of Abila in 332, 33 BC, with 30,000 soldiers, Greek soldiers, he defeated a Persian army of over a million men. He took over the entire known world. Legend says that he fell on his knees and wept because there was no one else to defeat. And 33 years of age, he died at the zenith of his power. Greece, this great kingdom of Alexander the Great, went from 332-33 BC to 168 BC. And then a fourth kingdom comes along. You can imagine Nebuchadnezzar as he's hearing Daniel unpack this for him. Verse 40, Daniel says, Finally there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and, will be, and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all others. The kingdom of Rome the strongest, the greatest nation the world has ever seen. To this day, more area, more nations fell under the rule of Rome than any other kingdom in the history of the world. And it was called the Kingdom of Iron. It went from 168 BC, there's some argument over this, but certainly by 538 AD, the Kingdom of Rome was completely destroyed, no longer existed. And you can go to Europe today and you can see the remnants of this great Roman Empire. You can see the aqueducts. I've been there, I've seen them myself. You can see the, the stone roads, many of them over 2,000 years old. Oh, I wish we, we built roads like this today. You, you can go there to Hadrian's Wall in England and you can see a wall the Romans built in the north of England from one side of the country to the other to keep the pagan Scots out. Oh, it was a great empire, Rome. And God saw it and God gave this vision to, to, to Nebuchadnezzar and he gave it the understanding to Daniel so that you could know that God is in control. God knows the past from the future. After Rome, something very interesting happens. Verse 41, and as we bring this Bible study to a close today, look at this very carefully. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom, yet it will have some strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. And as the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. Look at this. Watch this on the screen. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. Watch this very carefully. After the kingdom of Rome, and we're looking in the area of Europe, the Bible says 
we will have the toes and the feet of iron and clay. They will not mix. Some will be strong, some will be weak. Guess what? After Rome, we see Europe dividing into the nations we see today. And the Bible says that some will be strong, and we look at Europe today, we look at Europe throughout its history, since the time of Rome, some nations have been strong. The Bible says some will be weak. You look at Europe, some nations are strong, are mighty, some are weak, are poor. That is what the Bible says. But the Bible goes further. It says Europe, many times Europe will try to unite. And that has happened through the years. We have Charlemagne. We go on history to Napoleon. We go further down into history with Hitler. No matter how they tried, no matter how powerful their armies were, they could not, they did not, they can't unite and they never will. And this vision finishes with this stunning prediction of your future. Because you see, you and I, we live in the time of the feet, of the clay and the iron. Listen to this stunning prediction that God gives Nebuchadnezzar 2,600 years ago. Verse 44, in the times of those kings, that's now, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron and the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true. The interpretation is trustworthy. Look, all that happens is Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of an image. It is a timeline of the history of our earth from the time of Daniel right down to the time of the end, the second coming of Jesus. A head of gold, Babylon. A chest of silver, Medo-Persia. A thighs of bronze, Greece. Legs of iron, Rome. Feet of iron and clay, divided Europe, a divided world, and God says in the times of that division, of that divided world, of divided Europe, he says, I will come. Jesus will come in the skies of heaven. And he says, I will come and I will save the world and I will be the ruler. I will be the king of the world from that time forth. And I will establish a kingdom, says Jesus, that will never be destroyed. Do you want to be a part of that kingdom? Do you want to be ready for Jesus when he comes? Do you want to live with him for eternity? It's as simple as asking the Jesus, the same Jesus who gave the vision to Nebuchadnezzar, the same Jesus that knows the past from the future. It is as simple as asking him into your heart to be the ruler of your life and to be your protector and guide as long as you live. If Jesus lives inside of you, then when he comes, you'll be ready to live with him in his brand new kingdom. Fraternity. I pray that is your experience as we conclude this Bible study today. Lord Jesus, hear our prayers. Though we are sinful and wicked and let you down many times, though many of us may have strayed from you, God, we ask you into our hearts. We ask, God, that you'll be a part of our experience so that when you come and set your kingdom up, and the Bible tells us, Lord, that that will be very, very soon. Jesus, may we be found ready waiting for you to live in your eternal kingdom forevermore in peace and joy. May this be our experience, Jesus, in your name. Amen. This has been an amazing prophecy we've looked at today, taking us from the past right into the future. And the future of our world is very much limited. Believe there's not much time left.
Jesus offers you an eternal future in his eternal kingdom. If he's in your heart, then you can be assured that is for you. I pray that that will be your experience today and on into your life. God bless. Have a great day.